one, because it seems you are the only survivor of this train wreck. And two, you don't have a scratch on you. I've come to believe a rather unbelievable possibility. I hope you can keep an open mind. Unbreakable. Welcome back, everyone, to Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, and I'm here with my co-host, who hates it when I say his last name, Tyler Wilson. I waved first, but then I said hi. You did wave. That was a very excited wave. Hi. Hi, everyone. (laughs) So, it is time to dive into M. Night Shyamalan with Unbreakable that came out back in 2000. I can't believe we've already done, this is going to be our second M. Night Shyamalan episode second. already. We already did signs. So welcome to episode 30. It seems like 30 is a nice number, so we should do something awesome. Like maybe I'll make you name 30 things during our tea time with Tyler. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> we'll be here all night long. Yeah, I'll name three things. That's right. Three times ten. Okay, so we're going to talk about Unbreakable. Um, Tyler and I also went to the movies last night. Paid an arm and a leg for a babysitter. Yep. And we went to see Glass. The 19 years in the making follow-up, plus obviously a sequel to Split as well. Yeah. We're going to talk about that movie after we talk about Unbreakable. We are, so we're going to just do a little bit of a flip. Yes. Instead of... Well, we're going to talk about some other stuff we saw, then we'll talk about Unbreakable, and then we'll talk about Glass. And then we'll probably go into some spoilers, so if you don't, if you already saw it, then... Yes, if you haven't seen Glass and you're going to, we'll tell you when to turn it off so that we don't spoil it for you. Right. Okay, well, welcome, Tyler. What have you been watching recently? Well... Well... We watched um, one thing together, I remember, besides Glass. It was a little movie called Upgrade... Oh, yes. Upgrade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is Logan Marshall Green. It, this is basically a movie where if, like, Venom, the movie Venom was kind of, like, well thought out and, like, intentionally made, like, with a vision. <laughs> uh, um, it, it's not, like, a alien goo, but it's a guy who gets in an accident and then he gets an offer to put, basically put a computer system into his, his brain. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like having, kind of like Doc Ock, only without the arms. Yeah. No one remembers Doc Ock. No, no. What do you mean, nobody? I mean me. I don't. Re- I mean, like I, I remember what's his name with the octopus machine arms, but I don't remember uh, much more than that. What's the matter with you? It's only like the most iconic Spider-Man From, villain, like, but whatever. Fifteen years ago, it the character was around a lot more than that. Before that, oh my god, I can't. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, you I'm married me. You I'm married me. On. Can't do it. Anyway, upgrade is. <laughs> It just, it, the reason it's like Venom is that he's talk, this, the main character is talking to this computer in his brain, like Venom was talking to Tom Hardy. And it's just kind of crazy. It's a kind of a gory action movie. It has a very fun way of doing its action sequences. The camera kind of moves with punches and kind of goes sideways. It's kind of like when, in my best, the best thing I can compare it to is, in Furious 7, when the rock rock bottoms Jason Statham, the camera goes with the rock bottom, like it moves with him. That's mm-hmm. like every action scene and upgrade, and it's great. Mm-hmm. And I think the actor that plays the guy that is controlled by this little computer, Green. computer chip thing um, is just a really great job. I think it'd be really hard to... It's like a guy trying to do the robot, but with fighting. Yeah, it's a good physical performance. Yes. Like it's, that, it's like not just like him... 
emoting. It's yeah. like a, it, it's a difficult role to pull off, kind of physically, and I think he did a good job because he's got to like make it look like his body is being controlled by somebody else, yep. and then have a facial expression that's separate of like, oh shit, okay, now I'm doing this. This is awesome. You know who tried to do that in a movie that was less successful was Jackie Chan. He made that movie, The Tuxedo, where oh, the tuxedo was that. apparently the thing that was moving him around. Yeah, it didn't work. I didn't see that, but you <laughs> saying that in the little arm motions you did yeah. makes me want to kind of see it. Because yeah. I do love Jackie Chan. It's not good. It's like kind of his late late run of uh, like American movies that were really not very good. So if you have, what was We just rented on? it. Oh, we rented it. We rented it. it on a Netflix disc. Oh my God, we are so old millennials. I re-upped our Netflix disc because I wanted to watch a few things and I couldn't get it on easy. Well, I could have rented it streaming wise. Or What's uh, What do we have on disc right now? Uh, we're waiting to little, watch. I'll talk about one, and we're waiting for one to come. So I'll, talk, talk I'll mention. One? I'll mention the other. You one watched it without me. Yeah, yeah. I want to watch it. What is coming up next? Uh, why does this matter? Because <laughs> I'm curious, and we're talking about. I it. think I have Assassination Nation coming. What is that? It's a movie. <laughs> why are we spending uh, Netflix disc money on just uh, crap? What is this? It's not crap. It's, I was curious about it. It's a movie. It's a well, duh. <laughs> it's a movie. It's a movie I want to see with who. I don't know how to play in it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Is it available on Netflix? On the disc? Streaming? No, I checked, obviously. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, what else did we see? Why did you watch anything else? Or was that it? You're watching some show. Oh, you know me. I <laughs> like to watch my garbage TV. You, you were trying to talk me into watching something. I was going to actually watch it tonight, maybe after we record this podcast. Okay. That Cam movie on Netflix. That's good. I like that movie. I talked about that a couple episodes back. Yeah, so I think I want to watch that. Um, to watch Roma yet? Of course you didn't. Of course you didn't. Yeah. So of course you didn't. No, I didn't. Of course you didn't. What else have you been watching? Okay, so I did go to the theater and see if Beale Street could talk. That's Barry Jenkins' movie as follow-up to Moonlight. I was waiting uh, for a long time for this movie to come out in our area. I had to write a top ten list for a newspaper without seeing it, which made me upset because I knew it was going to be a movie that I probably was going to like a lot because I like director and i liked moonlight what's it called again if beale street could talk beetle beale 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 street if beale street could based talk. on a story a by james baldwin uh and it's uh, a gorgeous movie just a, a beautiful just like you would expect from barry jenkins probably even more so in terms of just kind of being real fancy uh <laughs> just looking cinematography mm. it's about a young couple uh the man is wrongly accused of a crime he is in jail the movie kind of goes between the beginnings of their relationship or a part of their relationship to the aftermath of this jail. She's pregnant. Uh, Regina King is incredible. She's playing uh, the girl's mother. She is should be the Oscar frontrunner, but she didn't get like the Screen Actors Guild nomination, so that's mm-hmm. why it's weird this year because everything's weird this year. Uh, but it's really good, and it would be in my well. We're gonna do a show, I think. Very soon, a little belated show about our favorites of the year. Maybe I'll bring it up then. Old millennials, remember to remember <laughs> 2018 movies. Yeah, yeah. It'll just it'll be a regular episode. We'll just put it. Yeah, in, we'll put it. Um, in we're old millennials, so we can remember any fucking thing we want. Yeah, we exactly millennials do what we want. That's oh, right. That you know what that reminded me. But the other, the other I, I mean, I've seen some stuff, but the thing I want to talk about the most is I did watch. This was a big thing last week. Was that. There was a documentary that Hulu put out called Fire Feud, and it was F-Y-R-E. This was the fire festival disaster of a couple years ago. They put theirs out a few days before Netflix was to release their documentary called 
fire. Ooh, dueling documentaries. And then they're they're lobbing shit at each other. Like Hulu's like, oh yeah, ours is better because we uh, didn't get ours produced by Jerry Media, which was the company that like helped promote the Fire Festival, and so obviously your documentary is compromised. And then Netflix was like, "Uh, bitch, hello, you paid one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to talk to that Billy Montgomery. I don't know his last name. That Billy guy, the main guy, you paid for his uh interview, and that's not cool. We're supposed to be journalists or whatever." And then who was like, "Bitch, this is what happens in documentaries a little bit." And so they're fighting. But anyway, I watched both of the movies. Mm-hmm. And I can definitively say that uh, they both have their pluses and minuses. <laughs> Were these uh, feuds happening on the social medias? Yeah, oh, just in the news, like, because they released a statement. Because mm. obviously Netflix was probably a little bit irked that they just decided to drop their documentary a few days before. Oh, man. Oh, fuck. Did you Who's hear fucking that? calling you in the middle of our goddamn podcast? It's my mother. Do you want to pause it and take it? No. Yeah, you can pause it. And we're back after a short, brief pause that was 20 minutes with Tyler talking to his mom. I missed your call earlier. You're Sorry. such a good son. Uh-huh. So we were talking about fire. And fire, the fire feud. So the Hulu one is skews more towards, like, the social media aspect of how it attracted millennials. So it was kind of like, this is why I bring it up, it, it was kind of trying to be critical of millennials a little bit and i look i agree with all a lot of the stuff they say about like younger millennials and some of that stuff right but no no no, no not right we don't agree with all that stuff i know all that is bull hunky stuff no, the, the examples they were citing about like influencers and certain people they were making fun of and i think there's an aspect of the culture that gets put out there that gets labeled as millennials that i don't like but i wish they wouldn't label it as all of us it's not a millennial thing right. it's it, like a consumer it's a trend. technology right. thing. So whereas the uh, the Netflix one kind of focused more on some of the people that really got hosed at the, the kind of on the ground level of the festival. So, you know, some of it's repeat, but I mean, it's fascinating. It's mm-hmm. one of those weird like train wreck stories you can't look away from. And so they both have merit. I don't know. Like some of them, both documentaries could have been stronger, but they weren't also terrible. And I didn't feel too bored watching the second one. So mm-hmm. yeah, one's on Hulu. One's on Netflix. And they're both called Something with Something Fire. Something with Fire. F-Y-R-E. Right. Jaw Rule's in more of the Netflix one being an idiot, so that's funny, I guess. Uh, yeah, Rule. Yep. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Oh, I watched Hellfest. That was the other Netflix disc I had. Hellfest. Oh, brother, what is Hellfest? It's a movie where some people go to, like, one of those theme park haunts. Mm-hmm. But then the theme park haunts, that oh, that's all scary, but it's all pretend, right? But there's a guy that's there, and he's a murderer, and he's deciding to go after and murder these people, mostly this girl. It's not a very good movie. Hmm. <laughs> we did see some trailers um, in front of our movie last night that looked good. Um, a sequel to that one uh, Death Day movie. Happy Death Day to you. Yeah, I liked that original movie. Yeah, it's actually a pretty solid little like what studio's. Uh, slasher movie. What was Happy the Death called? Day? Happy Death Day. This was the sequel, and the sequel looks like they're leaning in on the joke even more. So yeah. I think that's good. Yeah, that trailer was good. Are, yes. You must be talking about that Pet Cemetery trailer. Fuck. No, I'm being no, sarcastic. not necessary. No, I don't need that. Um, the new scary movie from the Get Out guy, Jordan Peele's movie Us. That doc, that uh, yes. that's, that dropped a couple weeks ago, but that was the first time we saw it in a theater. That was cool, mm-hmm, scary mm-hmm. looking. Movie. Looks good. Yeah, and the John Wick trailer. I mean, come on, what are you gonna do? I do love me some John. What Wick. are you gonna do? It's funny because I kind of 
I've as as I get older, uh-huh. lean into my olderness of the old millennial thing. I I don't need as much like violence and gore and stuff. But John Wick's got a lot, and I like it. It's just done in a very stylistic way that is fun. Yeah. I, yeah, you know, it's weird about, usually I hate going to see trailers, but, and some of the trailers were bad, but it kind of like ended on the one-two punch of like us and John Wick. I was like, eh, I mean, trailers are cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I was happy to see those two on mm-hmm. the big screen. And, you know, I want those movies to come out. I don't want to watch them a hundred times. But no. So yeah, Hellfest, no. I wouldn't watch it. For some reason, I don't know, someone told me that it was good, and I was like, nope. But, like, why? Why? Why did you waste a Netflix disc? This is why I made you cancel the Netflix <laughs> discs, because you get I got, shitty movies. I watched it. I got it out real quick. It's like it wasn't even here. <laughs> you might as well, like, red box those or whatever. I didn't want to go out to the red box. People are sick. Oh, I'm sick. I still we, got a cold, but yes. I don't like it. I don't want to get another cold. I know. I, I touch the red kiosk. No. I I definitely brought this illness upon our house. Yeah. Because I've been putting it out there that our kids have not gotten sick since yeah. school started. Yeah. I, I told you to stop saying that out loud anywhere. Knock on wood. And you're just like, I'll say it. We can prove never get sick. And then everybody got a cold. And then Tyler's like, why did I get the cold the worst of everyone in the family? Because I did. Yeah, because you got a special cold. You got a man cold. The all rest of us just got the regular cold. You got a being an asshole cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's what we've been watching recently. Are you ready? Anything else you want to mention before we uh, trudge on? Uh, I could No, I could bring okay. it up. Yeah, no, good. You're good? You're going to save I got some. other stuff I could talk about, but let's just move on. Me too. I could talk about all sorts of shitty Netflix shows. God, I don't want to hear about any of your sh- shitty Netflix shows. Okay, so there is a thing I do with the shows. I try to um, stick to Netflix shows, and then I force the kids to watch only Hulu shows on TV, so I can Chromecast that under a TV, and then watch my terrible shows with earbuds in on my phone. This is a, an embarrassing tidbit for yourself. <laughs> this is how I parent on the weekends. It's embarrassing. I'm working, and you're watching Limitless on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't even seen the Limitless movie. It's not even a Netflix show. It's like a CBS show. I don't know what it is. Why are you watching CBS shows? Are you a 50-year-old? What I kind of like to do is just watch really terrible shows that I can half pay attention to, so if I fall asleep or if kids are talking, I don't really care. You were like, hey, Bradley Cooper's in this first episode. That's weird. I'm like, because he's in the goddamn movie like you don't even realize there's a movie beforehand and every time we see bradley cooper i just want to go back and watch alias okay yeah that's true should we go back and watch alias i'm sure it's on netflix you could just watch it on your own no it's not otherwise i would totally be watching it used to be on there they take everything good off yeah i know i was in the middle of watching a show which i've been avoiding for like eight years and finally decided to watch it and then I get, like, four episodes in, and they fucking pull it. Hey, that kind of happened to... Uh, so I haven't watched... I haven't watched HBO much. We have HBO. We, we did have HBO. <laughs> <laughs> but I find, like, True Detective Season 3, Mahershala... Mah- I always... Now, I know how to say his name, and then right when I get on the podcast, like, Mahershala Ali, thank you. I thank like you. him as an actor, and he is the headlining star of season three of True Detective, so I was excited to watch that. I watched the first episode, I was gonna watch the second episode, and then you're just like, our bill's too high, you gotta call him and get our bill back down. So, like, I do this every year, I gotta go get the bill down. Why am I like a deep-throated douchebag in your depiction of me? This is how you sound. Oh, the the bill's too high. So, I call them, and usually, like, usually I can get them to be like, hey, fuckers, like, 
you don't give these people in the mailer like the the, the good deal, and I'm a loyal customer. Give me the same deal, and they're like, we can't do that. You have the same voice as the person. We can't do that. Boo 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 boo. Whoa, that's racist. What is boo 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 racist? That was racist. That was racist. It was uh, a, not a. It was an American person. What I spoke race to. was I? You depicting? were trying to do a thing, and I know what you were doing. It's not okay. Boo 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 boo. Yeah, it's I hear what you're saying. Okay. I don't like it. I don't like it, ma'am. Anyway, they don't have HBO tied to any of their current offerings anymore. And I was like, that's bullshit. But turns out, like, fine, I don't care. I just want the bill down back to the regular price. It's even a little bit more than it was. But then they shut that HBO off so fucking fast. It was outrageous. I couldn't even watch that second episode of True Detective. (laughs) How are you going to watch that now? Uh, I even saw online you were like, oh, I'm going to watch the season of True Detective, Linda. Okay, but... um, (laughs) Well, what I'll, you know what I will do? Are you going to you you watch it with Linda? No. You know what I'll tell you what I'm going to do, you son of a bitch? I'm going to wait six months, and I'm going to rent fucking disc on Netflix DVD. One disc at a time. Yeah, you bet your ass I will. Remember Just to stick it to, to you. Remember when we used to rent show discs? Yeah. That was a thing. Yeah. And then... We do that all the time. All right. So let's start... Diving into Unbreakable. What do you remember? So this is where we kick off. We start off with um, sharing what we remember before we sit back and rewatch and remember these movies. Take 30 seconds to write down what we uh, recall or a memory we have of it. Yes. And go from there. That's what I was going to say. Was I taking too long to say it? Nope. You have to say it for me. I just thought I would, you know, you talk and I talk and then you talk and I talk. That's kind of <laughs> how this works. It is. <laughs> Sometimes we talk at the same time and then no one can understand us. Yeah. That's, that's what fine. we do. Who would like to go first? We're not getting paid for this. Oh, I'm getting paid. Are you, did you not get paid? God damn it. Oh. Hmm. I'll have to talk to our sponsors about that. Okay. Um, okay, so what do you remember? I'll go first. All right. Bruce Willis is riding on a train. It crashes. Everybody dies. But he survives. What? Something is special about him. He wears a rain poncho and does some stuff. Sam Jackson plays an overly fragile guy in a wheelchair who befriends him and helps him see that he has a superpower. But then some more stuff happens. Bruce Willis kicks a little ass, and then it's revealed that Sam Jackson is a bad guy. Villain name? Mr. Glass? That doesn't sound right. Wow, you really were lacking confidence on that Mr. Glass thing. Well, I mean, I haven't seen this in several years. Did we watch it together? I feel like we've watched it at least once together. For sure, because... I'll just read mine real quick and okay. I'll get it. I wrote, uh, you know, Bruce Willis is a sole survivor train wreck. Meanwhile, his marriage is a train wreck. It's Robin Wright. Oh, she's billed as Robin Wright Penn because she was married to Sean Penn at the time. Mm-hmm. But his son likes him, and Sam Jackson plays a comic book-obsessed guy with brittle bone disease who's fascinated by Bruce's quote-unquote powers. This was always my favorite Shyamalan movie, even though even if I thought the twist was apparent early in the picture. It's less a twist and more of an inevitable resolution to the setup. So I definitely, we watched this together because for a long time, I considered this to be not only a, 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 my favorite Shyamalan movie, but I this is just one of my favorite movies. I love Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it when I saw it, even though I kind of knew I was on its wavelength right away. Um, we'll talk about kind of the twists and where I think it's pretty apparent and when I kind of figured that out and... Why I still like it. Uh, yeah, so I definitely showed it to you. I was like, this movie's awesome. I don't think you... You clearly didn't see it in the theater. I don't think so. Even though you were like... Because we've done a previous episode on Signs, and you definitely went and saw Signs in the theater. 
I did. And that's after Unbreakable. It it was, but it was like Signs came out in the like, I have my own car and I can go see movies yeah. whenever I want to. Gotcha. This and was 2000. I, I didn't have those privileges yet in plus, my house. Unbreakable is funny because it's a movie that came on the heels of The Sixth Sense, which is, you know, still his probably his biggest, most successful film. A lot of people argue his best film with his best twist. So, so, you know, and this was not The Sixth Sense. Like it was not. I mean, it was advertised as, like, from M. Night Shyamalan. It's going to be this kind of movie. But it's not that. Whereas Signs, I think, is definitely, like, leaning more towards kind of expectation-wise of what people were kind of maybe thinking a Shyamalan movie would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I can see that why it was a, a more successful movie, box office-wise, at least upon release. Now, Unbreakable, of course, is now garnered quite a following to the point where he went ahead and made a backdoor sequel with Split and then of course, we have Glass, which we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, I just always... I saw this in the theater. I remember the trailer uh, vividly. It's just that opening... Well, it's not the opening scene of the movie, but it's that scene where he's in the hospital and uh, the doctor's talking to him and he's just like asking these strange questions. And he's like, where are you sitting on the train? And he's like, he's like, there are two reasons why I'm asking. It's a very stilted way he's mm-hmm. saying that. Number one is that you are the only survivor of this uh, train wreck. And actually what he says is, in a few minutes, you'll be the only survivor because in the foreground, you have this guy bleeding out on a table, which is a very, um, the movie's visual design is very specific and I always really liked it. Um, and then number two is that you don't have a scratch on you. You didn't break any bones. And then that's kind of like the, what, I mean, it was a great premise, right? And so I was just on board with it right away. I was obviously on board for another reason. Sam Jackson is in the movie and I don't know if this has been well documented on the podcast, but, Sam Jackson's like my favorite actor. Have we um, remembered any movies with Sam Jackson yet? Prominently featuring Sam Jackson. I don't know if we have. Um, I've probably talked about how much I like him. Because I'm a guy who likes, you know, the big the big performances everybody else likes with Samuel Jackson. But I also am a fan of, uh, this is a, just a great example of what I think his uh, versatility shows. This Mr. Glass is a very different role for him, a very subdued, quiet role. And I love it. So, yeah, I was... We haven't done any movies with Sam Jackson. I know, it's weird, How right? is that possible? It's like our first Sam Jackson movie. Because you love you some Sam I do. Sam I am a supporter of Sam Jackson even through... Look, I know the guy makes some questionable movies. I think he almost always makes everything he's in better. The Lost World? Is he in The Lost World? No, he's in Jurassic Park. Come on. Come on. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Get better. Get better. <laughs> be better. Be, be a better be, podcaster. Be better. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was a fan. So, what, you want to do some high stats? And then we'll uh, we'll dive back into the movie. Maybe you can get some of your initial thoughts. Unbreakable. High stats. You know what I was thinking about just now? Yeah. About remembering if I saw this in the theater? Yeah. I think I was in high school, and I believe there was a time period when I um, was required to document everywhere I went um, to my parents. And leave phone numbers of where I'd be. And I'm pretty certain that there was uh, several movies that I saw during that time period of which I definitely did not see. And oh, I, I see what you're saying. I think Unbreakable was one of those. So it's one of those where it's like I couldn't go back and and like go back and see it because I had already said that I saw it. You could go see a movie again. I saw movies twice in the theater. Yeah, whereas you were actually going to the movies. I was just lying about going to the movies and then not going to Where the movies. Where were you going? Just a hangout. I hung out with people at the movies. Yeah, but like with like a boyfriend. Oh, I didn't have a boyfriend. <laughs> I know. <you. laughs> 
So I think, yeah, that checks out. I think I'm missing a couple of years in there where I said I was seeing a lot of movies and I wasn't. You're a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> I was a very bad teenager. Oh. Okay, Unbreakable High Stats with Angela Wilson. Here we go. Angela, what was your name? What's your name? Unbreakable came out. <laughs> I am married to you. Don't you like to go by Angela Yoshiko? I do. Isn't that your online avatar? I don't know. If that's avatar? <laughs> yes, I'm an avatar. Are you a blue person? I am a blue person. Okay. I do like to go by Angela Yoshiko online. Yeah, you do. But I also have a last name. <laughs> yes, you do. Thanks for that, Tyler. Um, Unbreakable High Stats came out in 2000. Mm-hmm. PG-13. In November, right? Oh, yeah. November 22nd, 2000. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving release. Yeah. So I was 16. Okay. Yeah. 17. Get, get, yeah. <laughs> I just like to think about when okay, the movies came sure. out. God, you're so mean to me. Uh-huh. PG-13 clocked in at one hour and 46 minutes. Mm-hmm. Good length. Too short. Too long. Perfect. Perfect length. Oh, perfect length. Yeah, you don't feel I like movies to be right at that hour and a half, but I'd say those extra 16 minutes are good. Mm-hmm. What was the box office? The box office? As in, like, how much money it how made? How much money did it make? I'm getting there. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, hold on, okay, hold on, okay, hold on. okay. What's the estimated budget? Uh, $30 million. $75 million. Holy crap, really? Yeah. How did he make glass for $20 million? <laughs> this movie's not, like, uh, Unbreakable's not, like, there's no big set pieces, really. Weird. That's incredible. They must have paid Bruce Willis a butt-ton of money. Opening weekend, it made $30 million. Yeah. And then it grossed in the U.S. $95 million, Right. And then worldwide $154 million. So it was considered at the time, I remember this, to be a disappointment. And it was split critically- there was oh, a lot of people. <laughs> it was not received as, I mean, because the Sixth Sense was such a phenomenon to the point where almost anything that you're going to follow up with was probably going to be, I mean, I, I appreciate how he kind of took it in a different direction, I think, a little bit. Um, so, but yeah, I remember just no one thinking this was like, this is the guy that made the Sixth Sense. This is the twin, like, they, it was like, this is not a horror movie. This is not scary or this is not whatever it is. And then the other fascinating thing about it is that it's the year 2000 you know it's not um superhero movies are not it's weird now to think about this i think it is and we're not the first people to talk i I know we're doing an unbreakable podcast at the peak time to talk about unbreakable but it, it was it was a very like this was well before the the marvel cinematic universe this is before the first spider man movie this is before you know virtually the big craze that started we mm-hmm. had some batman movies x-men had come out that earlier that summer, but that was a huge swing and a, a risk because mm-hmm. it was like X Men, all these characters at once. It was not a time where people were very it was accepting. Very popular, right? It was not popular. Not as I mean, definitely not. And mm-hmm. so you make a movie that's about comic book characters, kind of, and you and then you don't even do it the way that you would expect to do it because it's basically an Act One of a comic book story. It's the origin tale, just the ta- just the beginning, though. Really, mm-hmm. it kind of stops uh, before there's any real major blows between like your hero and villain. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's kind of a it's a risky movie, and I give him a lot of credit for doing this and doing this movie when he did it. And uh, yeah, I rewatched it. This has been see, like I said, it was one of my favorites for a long time. But then there was a period where. I hadn't watched it. I probably haven't watched it for at least 10 years, maybe more. Yeah, it feels like it's been a while since we've it's seen it. It's been a long time. I didn't even rewatch it after the split reveal where they revealed uh, Bruce Willis's character at the end of that, kind of revealing this whole 
you know, so-called plan to make three movies. So I didn't even rewatch it then. So, uh, you know, going back now, <laughs> watching Unbreakable through the lens of all these comic book hero movies we've seen, a mm-hmm. hundred, right? Uh, M. Night Shyamalan has made, I, I mean, a vast majority of uh, his filmography after Unbreakable not great. <laughs> some, some real stinkers in there. Yeah, science. Mm-hmm. I think we we have a podcast about science. It's, mm-hmm. We all think it's pretty good. I, some of you guys like it a little bit more than me, the ending, but whoa, um, whoa, whoa. we don't have to get into that. And then, you know, The Village is a divisive movie, and then it just falls off a cliff, right? And mm-hmm. then he makes The Visit, which is a low-budget thing, and people tend to like that. People like Split, and so now we're, you know, well, we were seemingly on the track to get M. White Shyamalan back into the glory days, but... To go back and watch like a movie that you liked of his is a concern. I have not watched The Sixth Sense in way oh, longer. I I don't think we've watched it together. No, and I have it, but I haven't. I it's not a movie that I put in. You haven't, and we haven't watched it in sixteen years yeah, together. Yeah, I I probably had watched it when I came out and watched the DVD a couple times, and then that was it. Right? Yeah. So that was twenty years ago, though. So it's been a while. Should we put it on the list? It's, is it on the list? It's on the list. It's on the list. But now we've already done two Shyamalans, so maybe we can take a little break. But um, yeah, so going back, I was like a little bit, a little apprehensive, right? Because you think like, well, I I mean, I had good memories of this. Yeah. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. What happened with you? This is, so you, I mean, I probably made you watch this. I didn't make you do anything. You're, you're free. You have free will. You got your command of your own person. I mean, you put it on and then I was, I watched it with you. Right. Yeah. It was probably fairly early in our relationship. So, I mean, we're talking like, what, 2002, 2003? Yeah, it wasn't much after. longer after mm-hmm. it came out. So, um, but you feel like you maybe only watched it that one time? I kind of do. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe. I feel like I remember it pretty well, though, for only having watched it once. It's a memorable movie. It must be because I tend to just purge these memories right on out. Right. Okay. So what did you think on uh, this video? I've been talking a while. Um, did I like it? <laughs> yeah. Just any thoughts. On any the, thoughts. Share any talk into the podcast about oh, the movie we're talking about. Over recording a podcast about the movie. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I feel like I know um, that I'm enjoying the movie when I um, close my laptop and don't take notes. Okay. Because when we're re-watching the movie and it's a really bad movie, I want to capture all the badness so that we can talk about it. Right. When it's a pretty good movie, I just want to, like, close it and enjoy it. It's easy to get engrossed in Unbreakable. Yeah, so I definitely did that. I had forgotten that the movie kicks off with um, Samuel L. Jackson's character Elijah's birth. Mm-hmm. So I had totally forgotten that. Even I think when I put What Do You Remember, I I remember starting with Bruce Willis on the train. So right. I kind of totally forgotten about that scene um, where he's born in the baby. He's, he's in like a, his mom's giving birth in like a department store. Um, and it's shot very stylistically, like the angles and stuff. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Um, and then the baby's born and he's crying a lot and then a doctor comes and is like oh his like arms and legs are both broken like did you drop him did you drop him on his head like what did you do well and the and the, and the scene buries that lead a little bit it's like mm-hmm. what happened to this baby yeah and so you're dreading what's happened or yes because baby's this, just crying and crying and crying did you drop him that's the next thing and then he says like his arms and legs are broken yes and you're like oh right. baby right yeah so then uh and then then we finally we jump forward to uh a very long and kind of, I think was this is what I was like. I'll tell you what. One thing I just I I really like about the movie, and I know a lot of people maybe don't like it, but I personally do. Shyamalan's really going for a certain style mm-hmm. and a certain tone and a certain pace, 
It's very methodical. It's very deliberate. The camera moves in this movie in ways that um, are unusual. They were unusual then, and it's unusual now. The way Mm -hmm. the actual camera moves, pans in and out. It does it slowly, for the most part, when it does it. Sometimes it's a little bit faster. But almost always, it's using it as, like, the movement of a scene, right? Yeah. So... The one another example of that is this very first scene where we're on the train and it's like shot from the, the behind the seats and he's mm-hmm. having a conversation with a woman who comes up to him. He slides off his wedding ring uh, and puts it in. We see that in this camera and the camera is moving. It's 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 making it's it's it. You know it's there, right? It's not trying to like capture a moment in. It's not like a natural way of like cutting a movie together. There's, in fact, there's no cutting. It's just like it's going back and forth in the conversation. And then, I mean, and that moves a lot. And then, but a lot of other scenes in the movie are just like one shot. And it's from a long distance where you maybe not even necessarily see people's mouths moving. You're not seeing their faces going. And I remember, you know, him talking about this a lot about it. Like, well, I was, I wanted, I was, I had a lot of like comic book panel images in my brain. And that's what I wanted to make a movie that kind of resembled that in a certain way. And I really like that aspect of it. But I think it also just plays into like building a sense of tone and building a sense of like what the wavelength is. Like you need to be slowing down and like, just like it's not a plot based movie. It's about following the characters and kind of getting involved with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just like that. And Mm -hmm. I like when a movie is effective at doing that. Some movies aren't effective like that. I think like the best example, and you still haven't watched it is Roma of this year. It is a movie that is, does the same kind of thing. It's slow moving, scenes just to get you into the like this is the movie you're going to watch and it's it's going to be rewarding to you but you've got to put the patience in like it's not a movie that's going to play well on tv it's not a movie that you can just like turn in on the background it's a movie that you want to turn on from the start you get hooked with this baby scene where there's a little bit of dread Mm -hmm. and then you just you watch it through all the way through and you focus on it and i think it's rewarding in that regard because it's just there's a lot of striking imagery and a lot of um really good performances including bruce willis which is uh wild in my opinion, to see a good performance from Bruce Willis. Was it a good performance from Bruce Willis? I would say yes. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Okay, well... <laughs> Did he, he didn't really have much to do. I think he's very good in the movie. Um, it is unusual, because he's not usually, especially now, as engaged as he is in this performance like he is trying <laughs> essentially and when he tries oh it goes a long way i th- i think um six sense he's obviously trying uh unless he's very good i think i mean when it comes to dramatic work from bruce willis that's not a huge length i think he can mm-hmm. be an engaging action star in the certain scenarios and certain diehard movies not the last couple but you get that charismatic version but you he has a side if you tap into it and i think unbreakable is one of the few movies that does you can feel him giving a performance and being a person who's struggling internally and that's not apparent in most anything else he's ever in and that's it's good it's good in this there are a few good scenes yeah yeah he's good all the way through he is you're right um but yeah i just really liked this this visual slowness like it's just it feels right. I like how striking some of the imagery is. I, I like that scene of them in the train where the camera's moving back. I, I know that can be distracting to people because it feels like you are. It's taking you out of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. But if you just kind of let it, 
he just kind of play with slave length. I, the other example is like when they're lifting weights and they're trying, his son's trying to put more things on the weights. And the camera at one point like latches on to the weights. And so it goes up and down a couple of times mm-hmm. with the music kind of swelling. James Newton Howard, amazing score, uh, swelling. It, it's very like cinematic. It, it's a big moment, but he's choosing the moments in the right, like just at the right moment. Like it just, I'm choosing the moment with the right moment. That's what I said. But, um, he, he's selective, right? And then, and he kind of culminates in like that train station sequence where the music's really going and we're kind of swirling around and he's getting his visions and things like that. So I just, yeah, I was still, when I watched this again, I, I could tell from the first 20 minutes, I was like, oh, I'm still, I'm in the bag with this movie still. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought it really held up. I wouldn't have guessed that it was made in 2000. It didn't have anything like glaringly old. It's not that old. It's weird to think that two thousand years. Old. I know, but that's that's weird to me that we. I think good movies don't age as poorly, mm-hmm. and I think this is a good example of that it's also not a movie that is relying on any kind of technology. No, not um, at all. So it doesn't it doesn't matter. Let's talk about um, Samuel Jackson. Okay. So he does not appear for a while. We get a couple of flashbacks first, uh, the baby in one, and then he we get the one where he's a young boy. And his mom is trying to course him out of the apartment. He has this brutal bone disease, and he they, she courses him out with a comic book uh, on the bench at the park. And you know that's his with a gift. It's a gift, right? And when he, he gets it, there, he opens it, reveals it's a comic, it's a comic book. book. And this is where um, in the theater, I, I have this memory of seeing this movie and knowing this is an M Night Shyamalan movie. We're doing this, you know. He's a he's a twist guy, you know. That's what we all thought, right? This movie does the things I, I I have two quibbles with the movie essentially. This is my first quibble. It's not a criticism so much as a quibble because I really on. like the movie. I just have this memory of I totally watched it with you the first time and I totally remember you almost watching me the whole movie to see if I was gonna figure it out. Right. And I remember you like, Oh, did you did you did you figure it out? Did you like oh what do you think? What do you think it is, Ange? What do you think it is? Right. Anyway, what's your quibble? So, <laughs> in this flashback, the mom says, like, this one has a twist ending to the comic book. Which, and this is Shyamalan's, ex- I mean, this is just, this is He's kinda, got a very heavy hand. This is the first, I would say this is one of the first instances that, you know, we as a movie-going uh, audience to M. Night Shyamalan is recognizing this heavy, like, a little bit of, like, commenting on his own work. Yes, it's so annoying. Being in his own head a little bit more. He puts that out there like like okay and then the problem with it is is like i can forgive like a little throwaway line this leads into samuel jackson's first scene in the movie mm-hmm. as an adult elijah price and it's a monologue he's talking to a guy about the same comic book cover it's an ama- you know just an art form and he's talking about how the villain and the heroes are depicted in the image mm-hmm. and he's talking about like look at the i think this is only later on it's the eyes which is even more apparent cuz Sam Jackson always, like, pops his eyes, right? But um, in this first scene, he's talking about, like, notice how, like, the head is is bigger on the villain, you know? To, and sometimes it's costuming and things like that. And what's striking is that Sam, I mean, it's not, they, I think you pointed out, like, that guy he's talking to, he's got a small head. It's like, like they purposely <laughs> cast a man with a real tiny head and, just for this scene. And Sam Jackson, like, the design of the character has, he's got big hair. Mm-hmm. Like, his hair is just, it, it pokes up. Mm-hmm. And so when he's talking about this, we have this talk about a twist ending. 
to me, even in the theater, like twenty or nineteen years ago, I was like, oh, like he's the villain, like he's the the mastermind of all this, right? And so there was like this. I remember in the theater just being like, oh, like you don't. I don't know. I I think some people like to be able to guess twists. Yeah, I'm not a guy that really cares. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care about guessing twists. Even when it's, like, a procedural, it's like, who's the murderer? Who's the murderer? Oh, that was too easy. Or, oh, that's ridiculous. I don't really care about that, honestly. It's not a thing that I like to linger on, because it doesn't... I mean, when it's a bad movie, like, you you can never guess anyway, because it's always just a ridiculous... It's just something ridiculous. Like, yeah. so then you just guess the most, like, well, it must be that one, because that's the most... That's the stupidest thing, right? Yeah. And that's usually what it is when someone's trying to trick you, right? Um with it, you know, so I don't care about that kind of stuff. In fact, I, you know, especially when a movie is trying to like throw, pull the rug out from under you later, you don't necessarily want to feel it early. I don't know if knowing or realizing that um, Sam Jackson's character was is a villain was bad because for me, I think when I was watching it for the first time, I knew he was like a bad guy. But mm-hmm. I didn't know how. So it was right. kind of like I was kind of on the edge of my seat to be like, is he going to do something bad or something like that? And then once revealed that he was responsible for all the train wreck and the, these other incidents, it was kind of a twist, but it wasn't. It didn't take away like I knew he was like a villain. But consider the evidence that you get in the movie before that is that it's a poor baby that's got arms and legs broken. And it's a poor kid who's stuck in a thing who just has a loving mother who's trying to get him out of the house. So when you, I mean, if you're just going off of evidence prior in the movie, you are expected to believe this guy is an an ally. That's someone. And if you've seen the marketing, you just kind of feel like he's the guy who helps unlock until you, David Dunn until you see him in that first scene, and he's like in the shadows and right, and he has this monologue. Like I knew immediately that like he was. Something not was the, up. Well, no, he was not on so the So this is my... So upon, you know, when you first watch it for about a couple minutes, you're just like, oh. But then, and I think this is true to this day, watching it now, it, it actually, like, deepens the movie, I think. Yeah. To know that he is on the opposite spectrum of him. And I remember watching it in the theater and just loving it. Like, I love knowing, like, oh my god, like, what he's doing is because he's, like, he feels like he's the opposite of this person and he feels like he has to be on the... If he believes so much of comic books, there has to be this, like, duality, right? And as someone who liked comics, but, like, wasn't, like, a huge, huge comic, I'm probably more now because everybody is, right? Because we're all trained to, like, be excited about the new Marvel movie. Um, it was really cool. It was just, like, a really neat idea to kind of ground this whole thing and to do this at this level, right? Mm-hmm. And it's shaped with a really awesome performance by Sam Jackson, just who's who's vulnerable, who is someone you do care about because he went through all this struggle and pain. And you understand where he's coming from. And so then his villainy feels like it, it It feels it's not justified, but to him, you can understand why he feels it's justified. And a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's right off from that scene, like, because he's doing something in that and the way he discusses everything with um, Bruce Willis going forward, it feels like it's building to that conflict. And I love, I just love that. I love that kind of realizing it the first time I watched it. And I love revisiting it for that reason. Yeah. yeah. It's not one where like knowing the twist makes it unwatchable in the second, third go. Yeah. It deep, I, I agree. It deepens it. makes it, it more interesting. In a way that, I mean, it's, it's diff- it deepens it in a different way than like the six, knowing the sixth sense twist is. Where you're just looking for clues and because you're like, Because there's ah, clues, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is more about finding the clues. That's, that's fun in its own way. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I think that's a fun way of looking at that movie. I think the sixth sense makes you want to go back immediately mm-hmm. and find the things that you didn't notice. Yeah. And that's a cool thing too, but this is going for a very different thing to the point where 
my quibble is that, like, why don't even announce that you're going to do a twist because it's not even I don't even it's not even necessarily a twist. It almost feels inevitable. Mm-hmm. It's an inevitable reveal. It's more of a, it's a reveal, not a twist. Mm-hmm. And so to say that like it's saying it's a surprise ending, I think is cheapening it a little bit, and that's why it's a quibble. But I, I, I don't think it's necessarily a twist ending. No. Mm. It, it's just deep it in the relationship. It is a reveal. It's just a reveal. Right. And I know that's a weird thing to like linger on, but it's it's true. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the kid, Spencer Treat Clark, in this movie? Um, yeah, well, we talk about well, he's, in, he's in Glass. But, oh, he mm. is in Glass. Um, I thought he did a good... He's, a, he's kind of a funny looking kid. <laughs> And I think it's such an asshole thing to comment on looks. Uh huh. I mean, I full on will accept that. You almost always, you know, you don't comment so much on looks of adults so much as you are always commenting on how ugly children are. Okay. <laughs> okay. That is true. Um, all kids are kind of ugly. And if they're not ugly, they will have an ugly phase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I do find it. I do like to notice kids that look funny. Is it because you felt like you were an ugly kid? Oh, I was definitely 100% an ugly kid. Okay. So you just like to be like, that kid's ugly like I was. Ah. I was ugly in a a different way and then the way that I like to criticize. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think kids whose eye, I get really hung up on eyes. Kids' eyes. So if they're too close or too far (laughs) apart or too small or too big. They're growing. I know. So this kid has weird eyes. Okay. And then also he has a very... I'd say a very 1992 haircut, not a 2000 haircut. <laughs> yeah, it's like a. I would say it's more like a poltergeist, like yeah. 80s haircut. Really, Children of the Corn. Yeah, it's not. It's not a modern. Uh, it, no. Well, what was I was trying to think about? Like when? No, see, that was even like in the 90s. I was thinking like even those Home Improvement kids, like Zachary Ty Bryan and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Like there was a couple seasons where they went through this really long, similar haircut. Mm-hmm. That's still like the 90s. So like we're not even. I gotta, I gotta look up like this 90s. kid's haircut real quick. 2000 is still like 90s, I guess. So that's probably what that is. But. Um, because in my mind, his haircut's almost just like a, a bowl cut sort of. No, thing but it's on. long in the back. Oh yeah, it's long in the back. Okay, so the haircut's fine. I think he... I actually really enjoyed his performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was believable as a kid. The scene at the end where he... Um, he... It's like the very, very, very end. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, at the breakfast table with his dad and the newspaper. And his dad shows him the newspaper. And Bruce Willis kind of shakes his head like, don't say anything to your mom. Like, shh. And he even holds his finger up. And then the kid starts crying. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that was a really good scene. Let's put a pin on that. Put a pin on that. Because I I think that's, um, for a movie, for a guy who loves Sam Jackson uh, so much, I think that's the best scene in the movie, um, that moment. Uh, because I think that it does a really good job of of showing this. He doesn't have a lot to, to work with. He doesn't mm-hmm. have a lot of dialogue. But he is a kid who, you know, his the relationship between Robin Wright and Bruce Willis is not well. He was planning on moving away. That's why he's removing the ring. He's not, he's not trying to cheat. They've broken up, essentially. But they're living under the same roof. You know, he's protecting, he's, or his dad is, you know, should have died in a train accident, didn't. He was going to move away anyway. So he's latching on to him, hanging mm-hmm. on to him, looking for anything for him to stay because he's devoted to him. You don't really see his relationship with the mother, but I mean, it's not her story, but, um, so yeah, there's not a lot. He, you know, he idolizes him. He, he, uh, is bragging about like, oh, I'm going to go wait, but wait. He's like trying to tell him to go play football and he doesn't play football for, you know, all the various twist reasons that we know that he doesn't play football for. Um, but, you know, like, he doesn't have a lot of time to convey this relationship. And I think, yeah, especially when it kind of builds to that ending when he, 
realizes that his dad has con kind of gone through and and embraced what he believed he was, which is a superhero. And I, you know, I really like that. I also think he's really good in this movie. Does a for a movie that is has a reputation for kind of being like a diversion away from like the thrills of a Shyamalan movie. There are a couple of pretty tense sequences. Him, his being one of the two major ones, in that he has pulled a gun out from a closet. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And mm-hmm. he believes that he's going to shoot, you know, if I shoot my dad, um, you know, he'll bullet will bounce right off, right? And so you got this kind of really tense uh, scene where Robin Wright and Bruce Willis are trying to convince him not to do that. It even has a, a really great, um, I, again, a lot of Shyamalan haters would probably think it's stilted, but I do like that moment where the mom is like, we don't, don't shoot our friends, honey, or something like that. And it's like a... It, it almost plays down like his age a little bit, but I think it's kind of a, a release of tension that's kind of necessary in the scene. It does, and I think it perfectly depicts the like negotiations as parents that we go through with our kids, and right. it just hits through all of them real quick. Yeah. We are like, you try to get them to do it by force, don't do it. You try to soft talk them, like just put it down, honey. You try to threaten them, like at one point Bruce Willis says, if you, if you do that, I'm you're right. It's going to bounce off me, but then I'm going to move away. I'm moving to Chicago. I'm going to leave you or wherever. I like he how he resolved that, yeah. So, because he doesn't resolve it the way that the famous story, which is kind of what this incident is based off of, like the old, uh, is it George Reeves, the old Superman who played in the 20s, like a kid pulled a gun on him. And the way he like diffused that, maybe it's a, it could be an old wives tale, mm-hmm. I guess. It's just a common thing. I think it might even have been in an Affleck movie that he was in. But he like told him, I was like, if you shoot me, that bullet will bounce off and it'll hurt your mom or hurt this other person. And that's how he convinced the kid not to do it. And so that would have been a good logic uh, point. But he went with like, I'll move away. Yeah, I'll, I'll move away right off until me. the kid starts like crying, like because he doesn't want his dad to move away. Yeah, and so I like that. I like, mm-hmm. um, you know, Robin Wright is very. God, she's. If everybody's subdued in this movie, man, she is real subdued. She has got such a quiet role in it. It's to t- the point it's a where it's hard part. to even like remember her in this movie. It's a tough part, and I she's good. Um, the movie is less interested in her, uh, her and her relationship. But I mean, she's good. She's it's Robin Wright. She's always good. It's just that uh, she doesn't get as much. Not that this, I, you know. I think it's a good amount. I don't know. I'm not going to criticize it. I only have two quibbles in the movie, and she's not one of them. She's not one of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, it is tea time with Tyler. Okay. I'm out of tea. Green tea. I don't have any tea bags. We brewed this tea in the coffee pot. It's Great called, detail. It's called brown rice green tea. You're really painting a picture of what's it's going on delicious. here. It's delicious. I'm pouring it out of a purple thermos. <laughs> People like to know these details, Tyler, so they can visualize it as they're working out or driving, uh-huh. listening to us. Okay. I'm, I'm wearing a blue shirt. Yeah, you are. I'm pouring <laughs> into my Cruella DeVille mug. Are you uh-huh. ready? I guess. Okay, Tyler. Rank your top favorite M. Night Shyamalan movies. My top favorite M. Night Shyamalan movies. Number one is Unbreakable. Still is. Probably will be for a while. Number two is The Sixth Sense. Number three is Signs. Number four is probably Split. Number five is probably The Visit. That was boring. You did too good. Oh. I can keep going. How about Six Degrees of Robin Wright Pen? Go. Six Degrees of Robin Wright Pen to Sam Jackson? Unbreakable. Six Degrees to Kevin Bacon. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Sometimes we used to play uh, Six Degrees of... Uh... <laughs> I don't remember that. Did we? Yeah, because I liked playing that one more because it was Sam Jackson. Because you like Sam Jackson? Yeah, I was like, let's do it with Sam Jackson. He's more fun. I like Kevin Bacon, but, uh, I don't You're know. You're almost out of time. Oh, all right. 
I don't want to do it now. <laughs> you always squeeze I want to finish what I was doing with uh, Link and the rest. You do? Well, I mean, not really, because then it's just like leading the water. And, and then it's like all the, the happening. Ones. No, the village is above all those ones. It's a mess, but it, it there's a visual style to it. But then it's like... Lady in the Water, The Happening, and then it's like After Earth and The Last Airbender. I don't think I ever saw After Earth. Ooh, it's that Will Smith one. Did, did I see like The Last Airbender right where, where it's like... <laughs> it's unwatchable. It's like the Nickelodeon show, only terrible. Nice song <laughs> there. <laughs> ah, yeah, that was pretty good, right? I can hear the congestion in my body still. I know, it's so terrible, being sick. So that's Unbreakable. Are we done with it? Yes. I love the music, um, that, that theme. I really like that train sequence. Oh, the other tension scene that I really thought was good is when he does realize his powers and he goes and f- uncovers... Oh, yeah, so good. ...that uh, the janitor at the train station, I guess. Well, first, right. Elijah tells him to go somewhere where there's people. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to the train station. Right. And then we get that sequence where he's you know wearing his hood. He's now the, the, the hero he's wearing... The, the co- you know, the costume, again, so this is a movie that is doing costumes of superhero movies more than what we'd had before with the, you know, obviously the Batman movies went crazy, but mm-hmm. X-Men earlier in the year, they were like, we can't do the normal X-Men costumes, we've got to do black leather, we can't do any of the, no, no one will take it seriously, right? And here in this movie, you've got uh, Bruce Willis wearing a green poncho that's got, like, it's a hood, and it's a very sweeping green cape, essentially, right? Yep. And then Sam Jackson is just busting out that purple and the leather. Oh, yeah. It's and he's got thing. a glass uh, uh, cane that smashes on the stairs when he yep. goes after the one guy. I mean, we're doing more with the costumes in this movie than we are. And he's doing it in, in subtle. I mean, it's not, it doesn't, it's not like over the top, but... It's not spandex. When you pay attention to it, it's just, it's very it's stylized. It's very striking. And yeah, we get that scene where he goes into the house to kind of help rescue these kids, and that's where we realize he has a, a, a an immunity or not an immunity, but like a weakness for water, and he has this fight. And like the, the another great scene of just kind of like you know the frame being like one shot for a while. Like we get a shot where he's going into a bedroom to find the the the, the woman who's being who's you know kidnapped. And the, we're not seeing the, we're seeing it through the curtains. The wind's blowing through the curtains. And so, like, at one point, he's looking through, and then the curtains move, and then you see that the guy's there. And so you get a lot of these, like, startling scenes. He's very good. Like, Shaman's very good at building tension when he wants to, when he takes the time to do it. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't do that as much anymore. It seems like he, in some of his older movies, had more of a vision and a plan. Yeah. And now he's just, like, making movies. I think like like split with James McAvoy, there is some tension in there, but I think and this is not it's less a criticism of of him in that he knows what he had with James McAvoy's performance being like the draw and drawing the tension from that performance mm-hmm. less so than the visual style of it. I think there's some there's some cool imagery there, but it's less it it's it's more leaning on the performance than it is about the visual style. And I, so he just hasn't done it. Like, at least not since, I mean, The Village. I mean, The Village has some of that in there. Um, but, God, it, it's something that I do miss. I miss, I like it when he is swinging. I don't, I don't like it when he's swinging for the fence so much with the screenwriting, because I think we've seen what that, what's happened there. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, like, doing something visually and, like, sticking to it and being like, this is going to look different. Like, this is going to be a movie that looks like my movie and, and nobody else in cinematographer obviously plays a big part in that, but 
I this is what I like. I'd rather have something that feels sty- like feels like this that might seem might could be dated at some point, but is its own thing. It feels self-contained versus just feeling like an anonymous uh, cut of a movie, which is what like the happening looks like. And in a lot of his, I mean, God, if his movies, his non-horror movies, that After Earth and Last Airbender are just really poorly made. Yeah. So I like that about. Unbreakable, and I love the performances mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. This is really good. We didn't talk about my favorite guy in the movie too, which is that comic book guy. That Sam Jackson. That's one of my favorite scenes. He goes into that comic book store, and he's just like comatose. He's been hurt. You know, he's not walking around anymore. And uh, the guy in the comic book shop, he's pretty great because he's like, "Hey, you got to pick something. I'm going to get some chicken in me." You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. every line this guy has is uh, just weird and still. It's like that Shyamalan humor. I must kind of like like his idea or sense of humor i don't know that's a weird thing to say but like this those little moments play for me because they just feel like weird character yeah. beats um, some nerd humor it's nerdy it's a little bit like out of place it seems like but i i i like it um yeah what's your favorite Shyamalan movie what's my favorite Shyamalan movie yeah i mean i immediately wanted to say signs but I'm going to have to think about that. You know I don't like to have favorites. I'm well, we're going to do sad. a favorite show next week. Cool. <laughs> I'm going to... Yeah. <laughs> hey. I'm too... I'm too... Um, uh, ascended to have favorites because I can just see the value in so many of the different things. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Did we... Um, I want to move on to a, a new little thing, but I would did want to get uh, thoughts from Roger Ebert, if we have it. In a little segment, we call... I'm gonna make, you are always the one that sings this. I'm going to go ahead and sing it for everybody. What would Roger say? You started too high, you got to start a little bit lower. I wanted to do it a little bit differently. Oh, oh, good job. It was beautiful. I wanted to be a little bit different. Okay. What would Roger say? Tyler, how many stars does, how many, out of how many stars? Four? He has four. four. How many stars? You opened it, so you. I know. opened it, but I didn't look. Um, I remember that he liked it mm-hmm. um, back in the day, and I was happy that he liked it because there was a little bit of a divisiveness with the movie. So I want to say, I'm going to swing for like three and a half even? No. Oh, okay. Not three and a half. What do you give it? Just three. Okay. Mostly positive things to say about it. Um, I'll just say I'll just uh, share his ending of what okay. he says. Um, I mentioned the ending. Mm, we're gonna that maybe it goes into my quibble, my second quibble. Um, I was not quite sold on it. It seems a little arbitrary, as if Shyamalan plucked it out of the air and tried to make it fit. To be sure, there are hints along the way about the direction the story may take, and maybe this movie, like The Sixth Sense, will play even better the second time once you know where it's going. Even if the ending doesn't entirely succeed, it doesn't cheat, and it comes at the end of an uncommonly absorbing movie. Well, I think it's absorbing. I, I, I guess I just that's a fundamental disagreement because I don't think that the twist is out of place. In fact, I think it's too apparent, right? Um, so no, I don't. I don't necessarily see what. Maybe he just wasn't into the comic book movies and stuff like that. He praises the serious um, drama mm-hmm. performances. Right. He says um, about. Um, action. He says there's a theory in Hollywood these days that audiences have shorter attention spans and must be distracted by nonstop comic book action. Ironic that a movie about a student of comic book universe would require attention and patience on the part of the audience. Moviegoer is grateful for the slow unfolding of the sixth sense. Will like this one too. Yeah. So my second 
quibble is right at the end of the movie. Oh, right at the end. Ugh. It's the on-screen text. Oh, After we so have a dumb. really good, I think it's a good little scene of real reveal of what Sam Jackson has done. Because even if, even when you know he's bad, I think that's another good scene for Bruce Willis to perform. Like he's genuinely like shocked and horrified by the actions that um, his, you know, what he thought was becoming his weird friend mm-hmm. uh, has done. So I think he, he sells it. And then Sam Jackson gives like this, I'm not a mistake. Uh, this is where I belong. I have a purpose. Yeah. I love, I mean, I love all that, right? It's, it's such a great little piece of performance mm-hmm. from him. It's a good responsive performance from Bruce Willis. And then we get like this really strange on screen text of like, Elijah freeze, Price was arrested. frame Elijah Price. He's been arrested and he's spending the rest, you know, he's spent, he's living in a federal institution for the, for the criminally insane. David Dunn alerted them to the authorities and immediately did this. And it feels like a thing that like the studio said, like you have to put this on here. Otherwise people are thinking he's just like walking away from the situation or something like that. It's stupid. It would so be great stupid. to just end the movie where he walks off knowing that like he knows he's a bad guy and like whatever he chooses to do is whatever he chooses to do. Mm-hmm. We assume that he'll probably turn him in. There's a ton of evidence everywhere. Yeah. But like, why do we need that? Why? It, it, it's a, it's a quibble. I don't, I, it's, it's a bad choice, but it's like five seconds. So I can't like make a big deal about it, but I was still recent, don't like it. I was recently complaining about, um, some of these books that I've been reading this year, not having real endings. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of my favorite authors is John Irving because he will take a character to death. Basically like yeah. he'll, you'll get Over your like main, a thousand pages. You'll get your main story. And then at the end, he'll be like, and then this is everything that happened in the rest of their life. Yeah. Which is very satisfying. So I feel like I've recently been complaining about, like, these newer books that just, like, fucking end without an ending. Right. In this movie, I would prefer to not have that, like, and there's the little bow on top all tied up. And I'm trying to remember that I, if there was an interview back in the day that maybe he explained it or something, or to me it looks like a studio thing, but, I mean, it... The movie is very much intentionally like the first act of a superhero saga. That's what it feels like. Mm -hmm. So maybe he thought because he didn't want questions about people making another one or something like that, he just wanted to like put a point on it, right? This is not like an extension. This is not going to continue, right? We, at this period, we're not staying till the end of the credits to see if there's anything else afterwards, right? I mean, we're not trained to do that. And so... It was just like his way of being like, no, we're not, this is it. I mean, again, it's weird to think about now because we we have all the 19 subsequent years of just all this, like, constant teasing for more story. Like, we always want more story. It's another way to make money, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Unbreakable always felt like it was his way of saying, like, I don't want to do It's sequel. so weird because that's, like, from a student of comic books, mm-hmm. that's not what comic books do. Comic books well, are always, like... To be continued. Right, but the whole point of this is that he's... I mean, there's the speech that Sam Jackson gives when he's describing what comic books are to him um, that that explains, like, it's it's like the exaggerated form... Comic books are the exaggerated form of reality. So mm-hmm. the movie is not a comic book story so much as, like, these pe- real people exist, and we are extensions of... The comic books are an extension of that. It's mm-hmm. an extension of history that we're just of superhuman form, but it's not... It's still reality. This is not a comic book, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the intention of it. Um, so, oh, what? You have a, the clip of it? Well, you're pointing at me. Do you want me to play the clip you for the people? There. You don't have to put it in, but sure. Yeah, let's play it. I've studied the form of comics intimately. I spent a third of my life in a hospital bed with nothing else to do but read. 
I believe comics are our last link to an ancient way of passing on history. The Egyptians drew on walls. Countries all over the world still pass on knowledge through pictorial forms. I believe comics are a form of history that someone somewhere felt or experienced. Then, of course, those experiences and that history got chewed up in the commercial machine, got jazzed up, made titillating cartoon for the sale rack. The city has seen its share of disasters. I watched the aftermath of that plane crash. I watched the carnage of the hotel fire. I watched the news waiting to hear a very specific combination of words, but they never came. Then one day I saw a news story about a train accident. And I heard them. There is a sole survivor, and he is miraculously unharmed. I do not, I did not remember, even though we just watched this, I did not remember him clicking through each of those um, tragedies in that scene. Yeah, he talks about the... I remember him talking about it, but I must have just been like, la la la, Sam Jackson, your voice is cool. So, you know, I, I... so to me, anyway, it seems like if I had to justify what he was trying to do with the text was that he wanted it to be like, this is the reality version. Like, this doesn't, like, there's not an ongoing struggle between these two characters. It's just like, he was, this guy was arrested and this guy uh, just moved on. And so that's kind of like the reality sinking in. That's, we build the comic book ab- around this extraordinary meeting of these people yeah. into a bigger story. Okay. But I, I still that. think it, the, it, dramatically, it works better just l- leaving the movie with him walking away. No, it's so stupid. Yeah, it just, it's just it's out of place. It feels like. So. Yes. But anyway, that's two quibbles, and that's it. Because I still love this movie, love it a lot. Great Sam Jackson performance. Shyamalan working, I think, in his most subdued and controlled state. And then, uh, yeah. What um, we met up with our friend Sean to go see. Um, glass in friend the of the podcast and friend of the podcast been on the po- on the science podcast who uh, was on episode ten of uh, the science podcast and he was saying that he watched Unbreakable on TV with commercials yeah and it was not he was not enjoying it obviously this is not the type of movie you can watch with all these breaks no I think it would I would to me it's I think yeah to me it seems like that would be oh so a way bad to break the spell of it um, so bad personally and then he was explaining how his daughter kept coming in and asking oh does he know he's a superhero yet nope Oh, does he know he's a superhero yet? Nope. Because um, part of my memory of it is, I mean, I think even when I wrote, like, what do you remember, is that he kind of learns it sooner, so you have a few more scenes of him kicking ass. Yeah. But nope, he doesn't. He doesn't really learn it until the, the last third of the movie. Yeah, you know, and I he just... doesn't really do much with it in this movie. Yeah. And I, I, that, to me, is fine. It's just... No, it's I, I like it. It's interesting. I like it. Yeah, but, like, yeah, her gener- like, his daughter, for example, I mean... She's grown up with superhero movies where they're all just like, well, it. To, whereas now we don't like it when the origin lasts more than like forty minutes in a movie. We're just like, all right, let's get to the ass kicking because we've done, you know, because we've done like, okay, who's done Spider Man again? We don't want another Spider Man origin. We just need to get to the, you know, something else other than the origin because we've seen the origin. But this came out before that, so a lot before a lot of these movies. So origin is uh is kind of on the table it was refreshing then i still think it plays well now yeah i think it does because it's not an action movie it's not a superhero movie it's more of a drama all right so we'll use this end of the podcast to talk about glass because that's why we watched unbreakable again right how long have you believed you are superheroes this is not a comic book it's the real world 
You shouldn't hide in the shadows. I've found someone who will require your full potential. <laughs> Good for you. A lot of people are going to die. Don't do this. <laughs> Finally, we'll show the world what we are capable of. Are you ready? Rated PG-13. Uh, you, I think I went and saw Split in the theater, mm-hmm. uh, and I did not share with you the reveal of David Dunn at the end of that movie until we watched it on video. Yep. I said, like, oh, you want to watch this? James McAvoy's really good. And then I was just like, just watch till the end. It's got a really cool, how it ends is really cool. That's all I said. And so we get um, that scene where it, it's, we've discovered that those movies are connected, right? Mm-hmm. So what were your thoughts going in? What What are your thoughts on Split? And what were your thoughts going into Glass on that front of like knowing it was, uh, you know, this connected universe? Um, loved Split and was super excited to see... My expectation was that I was going to get to see David Dunn, Mr. Unbreakable here, mm-hmm. like doing some stuff. Right. Like fighting this guy, uh-huh. getting in the action. Right. So I got excited. So I think that's probably the big... I mean, if we're going to talk about the reason why there's this response to Glass, I think it's because of that, right? You are expecting... Something that I don't think Shyamalan had any intention of really delivering in that way. I no, don't think. I don't think so either. And and so I wasn't expecting that because I just, especially when you rewatch Unbreakable. Maybe if you rewatch Unbreakable, you'd be like, okay, well these movies are not, they're not alike in a lot of ways, <laughs> like not really at all. And so, to me, I I, I was number one. I know that Bruce Willis is nineteen years older. Mm-hmm. I know that he's not. Uh, engaged as much as he used to be as an actor um and then so i mean in that regard i i always thought like this is really cool and i want to see what happens but at the same time like i mean what this seems like another opportunity for Shyamalan to either one like get everybody back in one swoop right like hey everybody i'm back you guys hated me for a while but here i am right Mm -hmm. or it's a nut, it's the opportunity to be like, well, no, I'm still the same guy that made the village, and I'm still the same guy that made Lady in the Water, and I'm still the same guy that made the happening. Like, I'm still that same guy. <laughs> like, you gave me a little bit of love, but I'm going to show you who I really am again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to burn you again. So I was, you know, apprehensive about it. Um, I was more excited about like shared universe. Does that mean that Sam Jackson's going to come back for Mister Glass? Because that to me was like, oh yeah. So then that was announced. I was like, okay, well, I'm on board for that movie Mm because i want to see that i want to see that character back let more so than uh bruce willis unbreakable i think seeing more of james mcavoy as like the horde the beast uh that was also enticing because i think it's an amazing uh really fun performance i know it's weird to say about like a guy who like murders girls but it's a really dynamic performance and so seeing that was going to be interesting and then yeah, what did you? I'll I'll give it credit. I think it gives in the first twenty minutes, it does attempt to deliver exactly what you said you were thinking you were going to get, which was like unbreakable. Kimmy Schmidt attacks <laughs> uh, that he finds the James McAvoy pretty quickly. Yep, and they do have a fight. Duke it out. They do. They get out. They do get out for a, a little bit. It's not like the most 
amazing fight scene you've ever seen. It's kind of just like, here's an old man lumbering around, and here's a James McAvoy hopping on him and trying to strangle him. I think what I like about uh, the Unbreakable character, David Dunn, yeah. is he, in the last 19 years, he hasn't become a superhero. He hasn't learned kung fu or learned, like, some <laughs> insane martial arts. He's just like, I'm a guy who, like, you can't fuck up, so eventually I will hurt you more than you hurt me. Right. Like, he doesn't seem skilled at all. And they, they call him, like, the overseer. Spencer Treat Clark, the son, is back. He's kind of the guy in the in his ear. Mm-hmm. They own, like, a security company, and they're, like, they, in the beginning, they're talking about, how like, oh, the police are on us again, like, pretty heavy right now. Maybe you shouldn't mm-hmm. go out. And so... I do like how they give you this right away. Yeah. There's no waiting for him to find him. And that, so I think that... They don't draw it out. That yeah. works. I'm wondering where the titular character is, but fine. The titular. The movie's called Glass. <laughs> I want Mr. Glass. Um, so then we get to... This is weird to say, but I feel like the middle section is actually the most problematic part of uh, this movie. Because it yeah. stretches yes. out a yes, problem... It stretches out a conflict that we know is not true, because Sarah Paulson comes in... Oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. Fucking hate Sarah Paulson. Okay. <laughs> I was is gonna that say, what you were going to say? I was going to say, by the way, we're going to just... It's the end of the podcast. We're going to talk about the entirety, the, the reveals of Glass, because why? Who cares yeah. why? So if you haven't seen the movie Glass, hey, thanks for tuning in. Go ahead and turn us off. I think off. it was probably... Maybe we should have said it before we said, like, they fight right away. <laughs> like, maybe we should have... Eh. Oh, well. Eh. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to spoil it. Um, so Sarah Paulson comes in as, like, this psychiatric doctor. P.S. I hate Sarah you, Paulson. For some reason, you hate Sarah Paulson. No, not for some reason. She's not a good actor. She is, like, fairly universally liked as an actress. I just want you, you know to know You know why? This. Because people love mediocrity. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that you are... You are in the minority on this opinion. And no, not I'm talking not. about in this performance. I'm just saying, like, in general, people like Sarah Paulson. Not because she's a good actor. They do. They like her because she's a good actress. No, things. I think they like her because they're like, hey, she's like a regular person like me. So, like, I why, can... Why do you say that? Huh? Why, why is she a regular person? Because I think that she always plays these just, like, blech ladies. <laughs> and uh, I think ladies out there are like, that's basically me. So I like her because I could be that. Therefore... I am like her, so I like her. Okay, and you- then the men are like, hey, this lady's just like my annoying ass girlfriend or wife. So <laughs> I like her because she's familiar. So I'm going to temper that just by saying that you have not watched any of the things that people like her in, <laughs> which is like the People versus O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story. She was oh, in America. I don't need to fucking see the She OJ was in multiple things. seasons, I think, of American Horror Story where people like her. I'm just saying that you have not seen okay, like I do. The... I have heard good things about that show, okay. but she's probably like fucking ruining, uh, ruining it. I don't think that that's the case. <laughs> Remember that stupid sunset on Sunset okay, Boulevard? That was years ago. Years so and years bad. and years she's ago. Like, I'm Sam Pawson. I'm just a normal lady. D- Years ago. She's anyway, terrible. I would say that she's, she's awful in this movie. She's saddled with the, the worst character in this movie. I will say that. But anyway, the, the no, I think this character could have been awesome if played by a better actor. Well, the problem with it is that she's a character who's go in there to convince the three of these characters that they are not superhuman. But we know that. I mean, we know that Bruce Willis is doesn't get hurt. <laughs> okay, what if Zoe Deschanel had played that character? Zoe Deschanel? That would be really weird. Just like, I'm I'm quirky. I'm she, a quirky psychologist. You know what? I'll say that she did try an M. Night Shyamalan movie once called The Happening, and it didn't work out too well for anybody involved. So I would say, no. Stay away, Zoe Deschanel. 
I'm just saying, like, I just, this, ah, this character is the I worst. think we get a lot of time where she's trying to convince these two characters. I think it's a great showcase for James McAvoy to switch characters a bunch, because they have a little flashy machine that, like, gets him to change. I don't know why he doesn't just close his eyes, but whatever. <laughs> like, he, 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 there's a mechanism for him not to break out of the psychiatric facility by flashing light, and it makes him change his personality. So we get a little couple scenes of him just going through a lot of characters, which is fun. And mm-hmm. that's great. That is a lot of fun. But it doesn't it doesn't really lead anywhere. You get a little bit of Bruce Willis being restrictive, and then you get Sam Jackson finally after like 30 minutes, but he's basically comatose. He's not reacting. He's being kept under drugs. He's twitching a little bit, which I enjoyed the twitching. Oh, yeah. Such good twitching. If there was twitching. like a best twitching award. Yeah, I would give it to him. He He'd be great. fucking nailed it. Yeah, he'd be great at the twitching. But he doesn't uh, come, he doesn't wake up essentially for, whew, it's over an hour. And it's really is the kind of like the the movie kind of clicks towards its end. Really, is when he's kind of starting to like do the, the things we like about Sam mm-hmm. Jackson, the things we like about his character, is not apparent for a while. I think that's a problem, especially for a movie called Glass, where he's so vital to his under, to understanding. His character is vital to everything working at the end. I think, right? We're not getting enough of him to make that work. That's one problem. So, that being said, when he does kind of uh, liven the movie up in the third act, we get quite a bit of craziness <laughs> in this third act. Um, yeah, you did a thing before we saw this movie that I thought was interesting. I don't know what you're talking about. You decided that after we watched Unbreakable, you were like, eh, what happens in class before I see it tomorrow? I'm going to go find out. And you read the entire, you read the entire plot? Well, first I started with a good, just a little Google search of... Glass twist ending. Oh, they just started right from the end, huh? Yeah, started right from the end, and then I was like, "Oh fuck!" Why? Why? Why did you do mm, that? I don't know. You are not usually the type to go and do that. I don't know. I don't know why I did. You knew that the reviews were poor. You had kind of told me that the reviews were, eh. and I even like tempered that a little bit. I was like, oh, it's kind of mixed, <laughs> but I knew that it was like mostly not right. I knew that the, most of the response was like, "This doesn't work." I think that the millennialness of me is is getting in there. I couldn't I couldn't resist because the temptation. I, I do this a lot with things I don't intend to want to watch because I was the one that told you like you don't have to finish things. Like you just read the Wikipedia entry, yes. right? Changed my life. Like sometimes you just like people. Oh, people are talking about The Walking Dead. This is not. I don't care about The Walking Dead at all anymore. But there was a period where there was like circles of people. They're like, oh, did you see what happened on The Walking Dead? I'm like. Yeah, because I would just read the Wikipedia, I'd read like the recap or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I don't have to watch that shitty show. I can just, yeah, oh, yeah, that well, guy those died. Those are fighting words. A lot of people like that show. I don't like it. Haven't liked it from the beginning, and it's ridiculous because that it's gone it's on this long. Zombies, zombies, zombies. But anyway, it was just like, oh yeah, that guy died. Yeah, crazy. I knew what they were talking about. It's great. You oh, know? I can't believe they murdered him. So, yeah, Wikipedia is great, and little TV recaps are great just for that. So you can stay in the zeitgeist, stay in the little group, stay in the water cooler talk without actually having to put any of the work in. Great. That is great. Because no one wants to know what you really thought of the episode anyway. Like, did you just, oh, wasn't that crazy? You'd be like, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> like, that's all you have to say. Yep. It's like, oh, they killed that guy? So I ruined the movie for myself. And then you told me a little bit, because I... I know. I was testing you, because you were like, oh, I haven't read anything. I was like, bullshit, you're I knew a cheater McCheaterson. I had read reviews, and so some of the reviews were alluding to certain things that I kind of was deducing. One was that, and from the trailers, it's very apparent that, again, we're talking spoilers... Sarah Paulson's character is not who she seems. I mean, you just know that from the beginning. Because she's a bad actor. Uh, right. Okay. So it's not a well-written character. And yeah, she's not giving a great performance. Fine. But um, something's nefarious going on there, right? You know that from the start. And then when you said that you were mad, I was like, oh, well, they must have uh, 
done something crazy like kill Bruce Willis before the third act. And you're just like, well, not before the third act. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the big twist of this is that Sarah Paulson is leading an organization that's trying to subdue the public knowledge of superheroes. And it's a Clover group or whatever. And so this eventually ends with, like, not really a showdown between anybody. They do break out. Um, Mr. Glass gets the beast to break out. Uh, and they get to the front of the psychiatric hospital, but this is where they have their big fight and rather than going to a big building or whatever, which I never thought they were going to get to. But the, the the thing that happens here is that a lot goes on, but essentially all three characters are killed. <laughs> like, they yes. don't make it out of this, this, uh, this climax. Dead. All three are dead. Dead. And I... When you told me that, like, they died, I was like, well, that's... I mean... I was like, that could work. It, maybe it works, right? Like, maybe, I mean, I, and I, it just got me thinking about Shyamalan and just like, oh, that motherfucker, like, he just can't help but like, ooh, people, they think that I'm the twist man. It's like, they never, they're not gonna expect this. I'm gonna kill all the, all the things that you came, you wanna see, I'm gonna kill them off. Oh, what? You like these three characters? Yeah, you're gone. Dead. Every one of them. They all fucking It just fucking felt dead. like a real, like, because he's self-financing his shit now, he's got a little bit of confidence back. It's like, alright, here we go. Here we go. Now, listen. I think two of these three deaths feel right, and they're performed well. Uh, I I think I James McAvoy's character gets an arc here, and he gets like an interesting moment. It's a weird relationship they've made with a former victim of Anya Taylor Joy, someone who was terrorized by this guy. It's a weird like thing that they've they've given each character like a a person, right? It's mm-hmm. Elijah Price's mother. It's uh, who's act the actress is by the way younger than Samuel Jackson, which is funny. And then uh, oh yeah. He's kind of apparent by her makeup. Um, <laughs> uh, That's amazing. Uh, Bruce Willis's son, and then Anya Taylor-Joy, who is the lead, technically, of Split, who's the only survivor of the, the Beast or whatever. So she has this moment with him, and it's... I mean, it's it's weird, but I think the performances are really good. I, James McAvoy, I mean... Oh my god, he's, he's so good in the movie. So like, he good. really is. Like he, I literally shed a few tears in his death scene. Yeah, it's... it's I was like, oh it's my effective. god, like, so sad. It's like, even when, like, the writing's not there for something, like, it's there enough for him to take it home. And I think the same is true with Sam Jackson. Like, he gets to do what you want that character to do. He does it in an abbreviated... I'm, I'm not happy with the amount of screen time he's in, but I do like the arc that he goes on, and I like his final moments. Like, he really does sell that loss. And he alludes to a line from the movie but previous that I think is very good. Mm-hmm. Very, very effective, right? But fucking Bruce Willis. <laughs> like, bitch gets, like, drowned in a puddle. <laughs> in a pothole. Yeah. In a pothole puddle. And... And dumbass Sarah Paulson's like, here, take my hand while some guy's drowning him so that he can see, see her that reveal that yeah. she's bad. And then she's like, well... Did just answer me this. Did I almost convince you that you weren't a superhero? Because if I had, I would have just let you live your life. That's and a then, bitch move. And then now I'm going to drown you in this fucking puddle. What a cunt. It's supposed to be tragic, right? It's supposed to be, you're supposed to feel like this death like you feel the other two. Like you feel for the villains who are bad people. <laughs> they are murderers and bad people. Yes, But I they have effective them. deaths. Bruce Willis has no arc in this movie. He None. Just, he disappears for about a half hour. Like, Sam Jackson doesn't appear for the first half hour. He's gone for a big chunk once Sam Jackson wakes up. Oh, he gets a... F- oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. just not in much. Mm-hmm. Like, and so you kind of forget... Like, we're supposed to kind of believe that he is doubting his powers, which is... A, a, I mean... Just shut up. This fucking annoying. He's not selling it as an actor. The movie's not giving him the material to sell it. No. He doesn't get any kind of arc here to 
reach this end. And so it just feels really unsatisfying. I feel like the first those two deaths are fine. If you're going to give me something of an an arc to put his character on, then I think that works. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work here because it happens. It doesn't feel like the whole climax. I mean, I know it's trying to upend the expectations, but it doesn't feel like this is where the movie's going to end and should end. It feels like we needed another, especially with his character, because he's just not, he's very passive about all this. He just kind of shows up once they've escaped, and he's like, well, I got my poncho on, let's go, let's do this, and they have a little bit of a fight. It's strange, and I don't know if that's because Shyamalan knew that he wasn't going to get, like, a real emotive performance out of Bruce Willis. No. But he's done it before. If anybody can do it, he's been the guy that's gotten it, right? Mm -hmm. And so, it's just strange that that's how it ends. And I think that's where a lot of the the divisiveness and things that people don't like about the movie come from most. Because, like, the other two deaths at least feel like it's completing something. Their stories are over. They, and then the they ul- serve their purpose. The ultimate twist, of course, is that even in death, Sam Jackson's nefariousness wins, right? Because mm-hmm. he had a other plan in, in mind, right? And so he gets an extra moment through death. Like, you know, he gets a little voiceover, and we get an extra thing with him, right? And then they try to do it with Bruce Willis, and I think it is effective in the moment, because it does... It's revealed, again, we're in way deep into spoilers, but uh, they've set, they did these weird things where they, there's been a lot of shots of them putting in security cameras and keep talking about it. Uh, Mr. Glass has hacked into the system and has made sure that all the stuff that gets, that they were going to eliminate and delete has been recorded and streamed live on the internet. And now he sends it to the three people. So he gets a, mo- he gets a little final monologue to kind of say what his plan was all along, which was to expose the world that we exist. Like there, you can come out of the woodwork. We're not hiding anymore. If you have extraordinary powers, you know, you're not alone, right? That's a cool idea, but it's funneled through this weird Sarah Paulson thing where they're meeting in middle of the day in restaurants where they're waiting for people to leave the restaurant to, like, have their meeting. Like, so fucking dumb. Like, I think I, I will give it credit to someone else, but, like, I read one review. I was like, just rent out the fucking back room, guys. Like, why are you waiting for people to leave? Like, it's so stupid. Um... But yeah, and so you do get this moment where, like, the son is feeling finally redemptive, like, oh, my dad is going to be known for what he was, which was a hero, right? And the way that they convey that is not through his performance, not through Bruce Willis' performance, but a fucking flashback to the end of Unbreakable, where he's reading the newspaper and he's crying. And it's an ama- like it's my favorite thing of Unbreakable, so when I see it again, I'm like, oh yeah, well, I like that scene, and uh, he loves his- he loved his dad. It made me think about Unbreakable, and I was like, that's effective, but it's cheap, and it doesn't sell this in this movie, so... I mean, it doesn't finish his story. It doesn't even tell his story. No, so, I mean, I think... Even, like, how Glass handled um, No Robin Wright. They have this weird, awkward scene. Well, they didn't get... Did not bring back Robin Wright. So they have this random flashback Mm -hmm. where Unbreakable is walking into his house with all the lights off, or he's not flashing back then. He's walking to his house, and then he kind of looks over in the kitchen, and he flashes back to, like, a thought of Robin Wright at the sink, and then he sees himself talking to her, and is like, I, I need to tell you something, and then that's all we get. Yeah. And then and then later there's some throwaway line about his mom dying, her dying from leukemia or whatever. Right. And that's it. It's not... It, and again, I think this Does is the problem. Does Shyamalan, like, hate dealing with female characters? Well, he... Duh, I mean, he wrote Split, and Split has a... Oh God, it's such a weird mess of a movie in terms of... If you look at it from gender dynamics, because, yes, your main character is Anya Taylor-Joy. She survives. She's abused. 
she has they do resolve that by the way that little lingering thread of split of her uncle but it's weird right i mean so you get that character but then you got another character who is murdering girls because of their purity it i mean it's all very muddled right i don't know if i don't like know. has he had a movie with like just like a cool strong female well i you could argue that anya taylor joy is but i mean it's the james mcavoy show in that movie so yes. it's hard to the village is um bryce Dallas howard it's a good character. Okay. She's good in the movie. Yeah, that's true. I did like that one. Yeah. So, I mean, it. you know, I mean, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the knock to give him. It's just. I think it's annoying in the, um, it was annoying in the Unbreakable movie. And it was annoying again in this movie because the only female is Sarah Paulson and Elijah's mom, which is, even she was not She gets out of well. the worst dialogue, though. Yes. She gets all the really bad expository, like, oh, the showdown's going to happen. And it's not good. But um, her and Sarah Paulson get the worst dialogue. Yeah, so they, annoying. I mean. You know, that's the problem. I think here's here's the main issue. I think that you have Unbreakable and you have Split. And putting those two movies together, as excited as we all were, they're not easily matched. Like, they don't land on top of each other very well. And you have everybody competing for time. It doesn't work, I don't think. McAvoy gets I most... I think it could have. He if gets you the most taken time. this stupid secret society Sarah Paulson piece out... That did not need to exist. There could have been a better story. I here. like, I mean, it's tough because I do, I kind of like what he was shooting for, but I just don't feel like it got there, right? And I think I, there's an idea of like, we need to subvert what we, I, you know, I don't know. It, like, it's there's, stupid. It's like he didn't say, he didn't share this a, idea out loud with anyone. There's he a, just like well, yeah. went and made this movie instead of being like, hey, what do you think of this? And then be like, that sounds stupid. Are you telling me there's a secret society that wants to, wants well, to, Wants to hide superheroes by just talking people out of it? Well, hide people with extraordinary powers. Like, I, I, they're not trying to hide, like, comic book... Like, you know what I mean? Like, I... I again, there's a, there's seeds of an idea there. No. It's ambitious, it's kind stupid. of what he's going for, but I don't know if it works. And I think he is trying to kind of deliberately tug the rug out from people. I think there are, like, sci-fi TV shows that have done a better job. Now, that being said, I you know, you go online and you do find some people who really bought into this and they really like it and, like, critics were wrong and all that. I... Listen... I'll say this. I I wasn't I wasn't mad at the movie for a lot of watching it. I like I really enjoyed James McAvoy all the way through. Once Sam Jackson was there, I really enjoyed that. And I kind of almost was with some of these things that happened at the end. So I was like, I'm not mad at it. I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad bad movie. I think it's a really it's a mess. It's a mess of a movie that has got a an unfinished screenplay. Uh three things. It needed 20 minutes cut out of it. In the middle. Yes. Yeah. Here and there. Yeah, here and there. Sure. And then it needed to recast Sarah Paulson. <laughs> you just... Okay. <laughs> it needed to tighten up. It just needed some... T- it needed some more thoughtfulness. Like, Unbreakable felt very thoughtful and intentional. This feels a little rushed when it gets to the end, that's for sure. Yes. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because there's this could- idea that we're trying to, like... Throw big twists and uproot expectations, I think. And that's where he has gotten into trouble before mm-hmm. and his not... This is another one of those situations where it's like, it's too much at once. And you've already spent an hour 45 doing this other stuff, so you don't have time to draw this out more than you probably need to to make it work. Um, yeah. Again, I, it's not... It's not it's not the worst. I wouldn't put it like on the worst list and it's got good performances from a couple people, so I mean... I wouldn't Again, either, but it's like the more I think about it, the more angry I Oh, it get. doesn't... I mean, yeah, it's not a movie that you can linger on, because it just it gets frustrating. Because and if you I, read about it, mm-hmm. it gets even more frustrating. 
because I enjoyed it walking out of the theater. I was like, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Even though the it's ending definitely was watchable. Bad. Sam Jackson's, I just just yeah. loved it. Love John McAvoy. Sad for Bruce Willis's character. I, I, yeah. But now the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm talking about it, the like, more pissed off I'm getting. But this is going to be one of these movies. I tell you what. This is going to be one of these movies that I'll probably watch a few times because it'll be like okay what's going on here and it's gonna be one of these like messes that you just want to like try to solve i know and fix. i was just sitting here thinking like how could i fix this I'm or gonna like solve this or problem. maybe he did do something that i'm not seeing and maybe it's better because then there's people out there that are like this is a masterpiece which i don't think i mean that's a little bit out there calm down yeah <laughs> calm down right um so With then the fucking people like who have a clover tattoo here yeah, oh and i have a clover tattoo and oh i have a clover shut up people yeah that's dumb it's dumb, but you know, like it's 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 the its mistakes are fascinating because it's all it they're mistakes that only really he could he could make right that he could just it's fuck kind of up like something the Zack Snyder so... it's kind of like Zack Snyder and all the things he did with Batman versus Superman you're just like well this is not good but like it's it's not good in a way that's like very unique like only this guy could do it wrong this way and so it's rewatchable so I could I, especially if you have good performances there to latch onto. You could probably sit and watch this again and be like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, no. And then, yeah, yeah. And you'd be like, what am I doing with this movie? Question, is the internet talking about how bad Sarah Paulson is? No. <laughs> okay, well, that is the number one problem with this fucking movie. <laughs> it's not. I mean, they don't like the character, but they're not like, Sarah Paulson's bad. Even to the point I would say that people are like, yeah, I like Sarah Paulson all, but that character's no good. So you are alone on your island. You know why? It's because she comes off as, like, a nice person. And people don't like to hate on nice people. But I'm sorry. She needs to find a different career. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to send this podcast right to her. to her, And I hope you get... Um, Some hate mail from her? You're going to get a Sarah Paulson fan club that's going to go... Man, frankly, that'd be great for our uh, listenership. But, um... <laughs> come at us. Um... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think Sarah Paulson's fine. I don't know what your deal is, but okay. Also, why kill Bruce Willis? Why kill him? It's a, I think that's the biggest, I, I, again, I, I, I'm not mad that he, they killed him. I'm mad I that they didn't. I was more sad about the villains getting killed. Right. I was like, oh, he died. I, well, that's weird. I, it's not the fact that he died. I think it's the fact that he died without an arc and ineffectively. Like, it could have been a, a more poignant end. Or a better way to, like, yeah. I don't care that all three died. I care that two of the three were good and the one felt short-shrifted. Even for him to choose to kill him in a pothole means that we don't get to see his face. Yeah, this and I get drowned. it. I mean, I, it's this upending, right? Like, well, you wouldn't, the, the man, the superhero man died in a little tiny puddle because that's his weakness, right? And okay, I get that. I understand what you're, I can understand the idea that you're going for. But if you don't see the performance, it doesn't pay off. So all you're getting is like this, like, oh, well, that's too bad. And then you're left with nothing. So that's a problem. Anyway, glass. Glass. Fascinating mess, I would say. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Um, hopefully you've seen Unbreakable and Glass and you weren't just too lazy to turn the episode off and now you're like, fuck, now I know all the twists and uh, spoils Well, like, guess what? So did you and you went and saw it anyway. Yeah. It didn't ruin my movie experience. Okay, good. Um, I think it helped me think, like, okay, what's happening here? So, for me, I don't know. I think sometimes maybe that what matters. I was thinking this maybe is what happened. If mm-hmm. I'm just gonna like psychologically break myself down, yeah, it was fun watching Unbreakable, knowing that he yeah. was the villain, and kind of just being able to experience it that way. So maybe I was just like trying to recreate that knowingness hey, for that. You know, experience. fun fact: I was spoiled by Infinity War before I saw it, um, and I think that that 
helped me with the movie because I, when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's, I don't, not a fan. Like, I just, because I knew that there was a second movie coming and I just didn't, um, I, I know myself knowing if I had seen that fresh, I'd been, been like, well, this is really dumb because, yeah. like, we know this is going to be undone, right? So I think knowing that ahead of time probably helped me enjoy the movie a little bit more, knowing, like, okay, well, we're going to have this ending I'm not going to love. Mm-hmm. Cause I, just, I know myself as a moviegoer enough that, like, I know what's going to surprise me. I know it's not going to surprise me. Like, I don't get... That's the thing. Like, there's nothing that you're going to do, M. Night Shyamalan, and I'm going to be like, wow! Like, my mind is blown. Because I don't... I just don't react to movies that way, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's not... It's not a thing that I'm getting a payoff to. So I don't... It doesn't matter to me. Because it's not like he's the only person who reveals something in a movie. No. It's not like his only... He's the only one who does that. And I and I especially don't like twists. I mean, I just don't like to have a twist just for twist's sake either. No, so, it has to go with the story. I just, you know, it's like watching, uh, look, I love Viola Davis, but then, like, I tried to watch Scandal for, like, a few episodes, and at some point I'm just like, I can't do this, because every time, like, 20 minutes goes by, there's, like, a new twist, and I'm just like, I don't even know if this up. makes sense. I can't keep up. No, everybody's a murderer, right? So, That's right. You know, I, I don't need that, so... Well, that concludes episode 30 of Old Millennials Remember Movies. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to um, subscribe if you are just like for some reason on our website listening. Actually get like a podcast app on your phone and subscribe and then uh, leave us a review and tell a friend because that's how people will hear about us. Um, Anything else, Tyler? Stay tuned next week for something a little different. Yes, or for the next episode. <laughs> yeah, we could just change our mind, right? <laughs> we reserve our right to do whatever we want. Because we are millennials. Exactly. Old millennials. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thanks, everyone, and we will talk at you another movie. Bye. I waved again. Yeah, you did. Unbreakable. It's a miracle. Unbreakable. females are strong gonna be uh you know uh fascinating transition